Hi, Greg here, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Honest Bicycle Program. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, we had our good friend Dan Shabanoff on to talk ostensibly about the United States Cyclocross National Championships and about the upcoming UCI Cyclocross World Championships. Uh, we covered a lot of other ground along the way, but we did, I think, at least get to those uh, points along the way. Before we get started on that, though, I do have a few things I want to tell you about. First of all, we're coming to you on the Wide Angle Podium Network, which is your go-to source for fantastic cycling content. It's a little bit of uh, fun stuff and comedy, some uh, coverage of actual racing, discussion of pro racing, and also just kind of lifestyle and culture stuff. Uh, things for racers, things for fans. Uh, basically, if you care about bikes, this is your place. So. The Wine Angle Podium is supported in part by listeners like you, so please head on over to wideanglepodium.com slash donate to become a member, and we'd like to begin the show by actually congratulating Wide Angle Podium's uh, sponsored athlete Katie Compton on her 14th consecutive national championship in cyclocross. That's right, Wide Angle Podium now can provide some sponsorship to an actual athlete. And Katie Compton is that athlete, and it's thanks in part to your donation. So be part of the team, be a part of the family. Uh, go to wineanglepodium.com slash donate. We're also brought to you by some fantastic sponsors here in the network. A longtime partner in Health IQ. Health IQ is a life insurance company that is uh, really passionate about active people, about uh really letting people who, who have active lifestyles, who are lower risk, get better rates on life insurance. Um, that's right, you can go and if you qualify as an active person, which if you listen to this program and are into it, you probably do. They have a quiz for you. Uh, you'll, you'll get better rates on life insurance and that's you know a really great thing for your family. So head on over to healthiq.com slash honestbicycle. I checked, it still works. Uh, so please go there and Check them out. We're also brought to you by a new sponsor for the network. That is Endura, Scottish cycling apparel company. They make amazing clothing. Uh, years ago on this show, uh, I remember promoting one of my favorite winter cycling products, uh, their, their winter road boots, which are amazing waterproof and warm overshoes for your uh, rainy and cold cycling needs. Um, really great stuff, great products. They also, you know, make summery kind of kit too. I mean, the whole Mobistar professional team, uh, both men and women use them, and they're offering a fantastic deal to Wide Angle Podium listeners. You can head on over to Endurasport.com and use the special code WideAngle20 when checking out with your order. That's a fantastic deal that gets you 20% off on your purchase. A uh, pretty amazing deal for some pretty amazing gear. So thanks to HealthIQ.com and Endurasport. Uh, remember, when you support our sponsors, uh, you support us, uh, and, and they keep supporting us, and we really appreciate it. All right, uh, that's enough of that. Uh, let's go to the tapes. It didn't record on mine. It is recording. So then, so am I. Yeah, me too. I'll line them up. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be great. It's gonna, it's not gonna be a problem. All right. Uh, so I, I just email you this file after we're done. 
Yeah, you can email it. That would work. You could, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, do that. And then you edit it, you know, very meticulously for all the mistakes that we made because this is oh, a yeah. super professional podcast. <clears throat> this is, I, gee, I feel like you. Just, <laughs> we just started. You're already throwing shade. Uh, <laughs> oh no, no, no! no. I was, I'm being, I'm being genuine. Oh, I see. Yeah, the the editing. Yeah, we'll we'll say that the editing is meticulous. Why not? Um, it doesn't do any harm to say that (laughs) nobody knows I mean it's not like they can hear the unedited version well I'll I'll open the kimono a little bit if they could (laughs) the editing for this podcast used to be highly meticulous and then I was like wow this is a lot of work I'm going to be less meticulous (laughs) and uh, the rest is history I think it's good, you know, it's the less chill or the more chill approach to uh, podcasting, less editing. Yeah. yeah. Very, on, very currently on brand. It's, it's, it's live to tape is, is uh, we like to call it because Perfect. we're very professional as you were saying. Right. Yeah. Live yes, to tape. exactly. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is, this is the Honest Bicycle Program, by the way. Welcome. Uh, it's, you know, the usual, it's, you got me, Greg, uh, we got Matteo across the internet from me in Philly, and also joining us in Philly is Dan Chapinoff. Hey, Dan. Hi, how's it going? I'm ready to be honest about bicycles with you. <laughs> I'm never, I'm never concerned that you won't be honest, you know, I, I perhaps I'm, too honest. Yeah, but you know, that's all right. That's like, that's like your thing. Am I, am I here for, like, color commentary? Is that why you guys are having me on the show? Uh, I, I, I kind of, I don't know. We just like talking to you. You're, right yeah, now. you're here because you're a good conversationalist. Oh, <laughs> thanks, guys. This is, this, this is so honest and good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like we're really, really making progress right now. We did have sort of As, an agenda. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, right. Dan. No, no, no. Uh, right to the agenda. Let's do it. All right. Yeah, cyclocross. Agenda. The cyclocross national championships. How about them? Oh, man. <laughs> I, well, I, I, honestly, I honestly feel so removed from them because my cross season ended on December 10th. So, so, oh, your cross but, season ended at MBX? No, it ended the weekend after in a small little race in New York. Actually. Oh, all right. So you had you had yeah. the benefit of um, not having to uh, force the sort of best and most productive training of the year or of the season anyway over the holidays and into and through the whole polar vortex. Yeah, it was fantastic. So I'll, be I'll... able to <laughs> sit on my butt and just look outside and be like, oh, it's five degrees today cool i don't have to do anything yeah i don't have to do over unders on the trainer <laughs> oh my god <laughs> which question, is the question and when you're really when, when you're when you're leading up that. when you're leading up to a target event like nationals having to do work on the trainer has got to be so dispiriting too because like you're indoors and so your numbers are going to be lower and you're thinking like i'm supposed to be peaking like i've worked so hard why all of a sudden i can't like turn the pedals over i yeah to put it mildly it's a mental clusterfuck yeah 
Yeah, and then if you go on Twitter and say your numbers are lower, uh, Adam Myerson comes in and says your fan just isn't good enough. Uh, I must have missed that Twitter exchange. I try to really stay on top of New England cycling Twitter, but sometimes it's hard (laughs) because I don't get mentioned in the threads that get 250 plus comments. (laughs) And then I'm just like reading through it. You dodged a bullet this this past uh, this past week. There was a there was a delightful little thread in New England bike Twitter, and uh, there were two hundred yeah fifty or something replies on the subject of this new rule that would allow uh, in mixed category races. So so the traditional rule right is you have to place in you know whatever the normal upgrade point position is which would be like in the top seven spots or something like that and then it was like oh there's this new rule where if it's like a p123 uh then the first cat three can count their finishing order you know just according to their place among the cat threes so even if you're 45th if you're the first cat three you get you know points according to the size of the number of cat threes in the field uh and and this was very controversial and many uh, words were exchanged on this only for JD Bilodeau <laughs> to come in. Uh, JD being um, the basically the Nebra director, uh, you know, a few hours later to be like, uh, you guys do know that this rule was proposed but not didn't actually get enacted, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. I'm actually, I was actually a little bit sad to find that out that way. Um, you know. I'm going to get real a little real with you guys for a second, but um, the first time I heard about this rule, it was because a friend of mine, Lucia, who is uh, part of uh, the New York State Bicycling Association and is uh, the New York City upgrade coordinator, was having a lot of issues because women were having a very hard time upgrading in cyclocross, yeah. where... For the most part, the only options you have are combined fields. So if you're racing as a Cat 5, or, well, Cat 5, it's experience. But if you're trying to upgrade out of a Cat 4, your only option was to essentially beat Cat 3s. Which, in cyclocross, there's a pretty big gap between Cat 4s and Cat 3s. And the other thing with this rule is that if a promoter chooses to break out categories separately like in a combined field say they post a result sheet for cat fours and then a result sheet for cat threes then those are applicable for upgrades so it's Hmm. really essentially up to the promoter whether or not they quote unquote this rule is already sort of enacted it just depends on whether or not a promoter is the way a promoter is formatting their result and like I understand all the blowback for, you know, I feel like a lot of people were kind of like, oh, it's going to be too easy to upgrade. But it's like the reality is, is that right now it's artificially way more difficult for women to upgrade because they're constantly racing in these combined fields where people who are essentially beginners have to compete with people who are like way more advanced than them. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. So, yeah. At the same time, it's like, I get the blowback, but I don't know, maybe, you know, there's, there's, I feel like there's a lot of people, or some people were taking it, like, very uh, personally, and maybe 
getting their like egos a little bit involved in the sense of like, well, you know, if I got to a cat two or a cat one, I don't want it to be super easy for others to get there. <laughs> oh, I've heard plenty of people express exactly that. I earned my, uh, you know, cat cat two and. I don't want people right. to not earn theirs or something. Right. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that it has to be artificially more difficult for others to upgrade in the sport. And when the rule was originally proposed, I sort of assumed that it would only be applied to cyclocross updates, uh, upgrades. Um, but even on the road it does kind of make sense because oftentimes it's like yeah women have to race you know there's races around here where it's like a one two three four combined or uh you know a three four five and then a one two three and it's like i don't know i mean no i agree i think it, i think it does make sense i think it makes sense on the road too and and yes in women's fields in particular but not just in in women's fields i mean there's, uh, I don't know, the upgrade system is, I don't know how, the I don't know how well it works blunt. across it, a range of field sizes. It is definitely a blunt instrument. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Because, like, you always want to feel like you're, or, it seems like the ideal is that you're racing against people who have roughly the same skill. But the mm-hmm. upgrade system is also intended for people to pass through categories on their way to that. And it's like, how many times have uh, have you been in a field and you've like raced a kind of similar field for a few years and training races or whatever? And finally, like somebody, you know, a, a handful of people who are just constantly winning finally upgrade out of it. And you're like, great, like now's my time. I really think I can podium this time. And then there's just like a new wave, you know, spring starts and there's just a new wave of people who are just on their way to the top kind of come in and you think like you know those those intermediate fields you know like four three and two are are never going to be uh stable places of of medium skill level right right but on the on the other hand you know it's like if you've been racing in that cat three field for however many years it's like you should I feel like you should have the option to upgrade out of it, you know, in in some way, at some point. I don't think, I I feel like while there is such a thing as, you know, lifelong Cat 3s, I think that should be more of a choice rather than be something that's just like forced upon people. I think the bar needs to not be artificially high is I guess what I'm saying. Like, I think think you're you're hitting the nail on the head, Matteo, in saying that it's like, it is a way to progress people through the sport based on their experience, you know, and it, it, it is hard to judge, you know, is like, like experience and results are not always equal to each other. You know, we've all seen the person that, you know, like, I don't know, maybe you remember this guy, Matty Sean Smith, mm-hmm. you know, like he went from five to one in a season. And when he got to racing, you know, in, Pro one two crits or whatever like he was basically a danger to himself and other yeah that's you know, actually but, but he had of, the results yeah. you know what i mean like he could pedal his bike harder than pretty much anyone but by the time he got to the higher category races it's like everybody can pedal their bike hard now you're just kind of like that, that's know, what like gets you... me 
antsy about about when the argument is oh well we don't want people who don't know what we're doing in these fields and it's like the 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 point system doesn't really fix do much of anything about that like honestly it's like it it just slows you down it like to the extent that it does it lets people gain experience because most people aren't able to immediately pedal a bike so hard that they can go five to one or or you know five to two is functionally the same thing in a season but you know it's you're you're you don't Especially, you know, as a three, right, who, who can do P1, two, three crits, um, you cannot be prepared for the difference in speed between a three, four crit and a P1, two, three crit and, and the handling skill involved by not doing P1, two, three crits. Like, there's nothing, there is literally nothing you can do until you're actually in that environment to, to actually, you know, until you're actually looking that learning curve in the face um, to deal with it. And yes, you can build fundamentals up to that point, but, but, you know, so, you kind of have to make the jump. So I completely agree with that, jump. which brings up like another issue of the upgrading system, which I can think of a few riders who, uh, have really struggled as maybe a cat four or a cat three to get results. But once they get, once they do get up to the next level, they, they excel immediately. And it's almost like they, they sort of need the stimulus of a harder race in order to be, uh, in order to really like float to the top, right? Is this? I, I don't well, know. Have, I mean, you, have you seen right? Have either of you seen riders like that who like can't figure out how to win uh, an easy race, and then all of a sudden like they they upgrade and they you know make you know they they like make the winning break of the of the one two crit. <clears throat> That's obviously what's going to happen to me once I get. Okay. <laughs> 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 no, not really. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely think it's a thing, and I, I think the main, the one of the big differences is just like a completely different race dynamic, oftentimes in both road races and crits, where it's like in the intermediate categories, oftentimes people are racing for points to get upgrades, and they're not, you know, I feel like Cat 3 4 teamwork is often you know, is often distilled to we are racing together, but not against and not against each other. But we're not really racing for anyone in particular. Like it's very often like a group of people who are all racing together and they're hopefully not chasing each other down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas like in a one two crit or road race, there's guys that are actively there to just make the race hard for everyone. And I think that's the big difference is like the pace just is way more unrelenting in those crits because there are people that can just ride hard for 90 minutes. Uh, Yeah, I'm one of those guys. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, the difference is that that, (laughs) the the difference is, is that in the Cat 3-4 race, uh, you know, before the race, your your Cat 3 teammates might be talking about like, oh, yeah, we're going to make the race hard for everyone and da, 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 da. But... You know, very, very few people in Cat 3 actually have the ability to make the race hard for everyone or they would be Cat 2s. Well, it's uh, not even that. You know, and that, that's that... the th- Well, that, that is, but it is a factor, right? Because I've seen, I've, right. been in, I've been in lots of teams as, you know, a Cat 4 and a Cat 3 with guys who are like, oh yeah, we're just going to trade at the front and whatever. And it's like, guys just don't have the strength to do that. Or, or they go to the front, they pedal hard for 10 pedal strokes and then they look around for someone else to start doing it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's like, I remember I did, I did a crit with Holloway. It was like a small P3 
he came to Philly for some reason because his fiance lives in New Jersey and he was in town. He came out to Navy Yard and it was like, it was a crit of 40 guys and basically everybody was just looking at him to do everything. And so he got on the front and he rode 30 miles an hour for about 20 minutes until a bunch of people got really tired. You know, (laughs) like he basically just, he, you know, it's like, that's the difference is like when those guys say they're going to make the race hard, they go to the front and they just start riding hard and they don't care that no one is coming around them. You know what I mean? Like there's a sustained effort that's applied to the race rather than these like small attacks that are more like probing attacks rather than actual efforts to like strangulate the the rest of the field yeah anyway i feel like you wanted to talk about cyclocross (laughs) (laughs) we were going to talk about cyclocross nationals and then we ended up talking about the The, uh, upgrade system the upgrade and category system i mean it is a sort of fertile fertile uh topic of conversation just because everybody has their own sort of experience with it and their experience of of where it was frustrating or where they stagnate or where they excel and it and it kind of like takes different shapes for different people based on you know what their life was like and so everyone has these like strong uh strong opinions that also get at you know how they want cycling to be not necessarily how they how it is but everyone kind of anchors how they want it to be in how it has been for them um and and their experience so it just it just winds up being the kind of conversation where i think and perhaps this happened in that uh absurd uh twitter situation that was happening earlier where everyone like everyone like wants everyone else to like acquiesce to their opinion you know (laughs) Mm mm-hmm I felt like it was I mean, mostly I pretty honestly, reasonable discussion. It, it was. There was a couple hot takes for sure. <laughs> I, I, I've honestly started to kind of come to the conclusion on my uh, for myself that I feel like until the amount of women's fields offered in races is more equitable to the amount of men's fields offered in races, there might be a case to be made to have a different upgrade structure for women and men yeah because it is art of like under if you have the same rule applied to the men and women in this case and the men have typical on any given race day might have like seven or eight fields to choose from you know and if you're like a cat three who's over 35 you might be able to race like all day three times a day whereas if you're a woman you might only have two choices if you're if you're lucky you know three if you're lucky but it's like you know if if that if that's the environment where people are trying to upgrade then it might make sense to just acknowledge that and be like okay it's you know if you're the top placed cat four in your three four five race or if you're the top placed cat five in your three four five race you should get the corresponding amount of upgrade point you know because like i definitely have met and talked to women who are like cat fours who are just like i i feel like i'm good but i just can't you know whether it's because the like fields are too small or there's a lot of cat threes or etc you know for whatever factors that seem to be completely out of their control they just can't meet the requirements to get the point mm-hmm you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is probably a topic that we're just not going to solve on a podcast, unfortunately. But I wish we could. Well, you know, well, we can. What we what we should do is send a sternly worded letter letter to USA Cycling and have them adopt all of our proposals. Um, uh oh. <laughs> pretty pretty sure that on this podcast we've gotten a little bit drunk and made some made some declarations, uh, some policy proposals that might not be. Uh, very beneficial if enacted in the real world that might make <laughs> might make better opinions and policies <laughs> uh yeah but we don't need to actually test those ideas in the court of uh, public i don't know opinion. rule number one all usa cycling decisions will now be made on podcasts <laughs> I honestly i'll suggest that to derek i'll send i'll send an email to derek bouchard hall be like hey i man. mean i honestly wouldn't mind to be able to listen to the discussions that happen behind those closed doors i'd be curious to hear what the discussion that happened with that rule change like i would like to know what the reasoning was yeah. for that rule not being adopted you know what in fact in fact there should be a usac podcast <laughs> there should be a usac i'm i am not even kidding there should be a weekly or whatever bi-weekly usac podcast where like Derek poujard hall like talks you know with someone else uh, at at USA Cycling about uh, I don't know the yeah the upgrade system or uh, parking at Cyclocross Nationals or uh, y- you know I don't I don't know like um, you're, you're saying you know, junior gears or something so kind of like uh, what was it Franklin Roosevelt's fireside chats yeah no totally yeah exactly just just so fireside exactly podcast that. with Derek Bouchard Fire. Hall you yeah you sack by the fireside. <laughs> All right, we were talking about cyclocross nationals in theory. Okay, so here's 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 the question that I have happened. about about cyclocross nationals. Dan, is this this is the first Nats in a while that you haven't been to, or, no, or you missed one three years ago ish, somewhere around there, right? I you skipped Austin. Yeah, okay. I didn't go to Austin, uh, which I was happy to not be there mm-hmm. <laughs> because that was the, like big big heritage tree shit show. But um, yeah. Yep. yeah, so. Uh, it's probably safe to say that you're you're more acquainted though with racing nationals than with watching it. Correct. Um, so given this like fairly unique experience for you of watching the national championships, uh, what was it like? Um, I feel like maybe on any other year, I probably would be feeling the FOMO a bit more. But considering the weather we were having. Mm-hmm. I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically don't like watching races that I feel like I should be in, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It was fine. I, I think I've kind of come to the point in my like competitive cycling where I can uh, call it a season and be fine with it and not feel super left out, especially because I think this year I was kind of always planning on not going to nationals. Mm -hmm. Um, Like before the season even started, I think me and Richie had a conversation where he was like, you know, Reno is really far. Like logistically it would be a nightmare. Uh, I wouldn't be mad if we don't go. And I was like, yeah, I think that's fine. He's like, you know, if, if either you or Britt or Sam is going to be on the first two rows, then, like, no problem, we'll make it happen. But other than that, like, maybe we just call it a year at NBX. So Yeah. 
And you've also had a pretty great season, so that, I assume, makes it a little bit easier to settle with the decision, especially making it from the go, from the get-go, that you're not going to go to Nationals. Yeah, I mean, I also think that, realistically, like, the thing with Nationals and your cyclocross season, or anyone's cyclocross season, is it's it's one race. You know, like, Mm -hmm. for someone like me, for someone at my level who's, like, racing for a top 20, et cetera, at a big race like that, whether or not I'm in that top 20 is just not going to make or break my season. Mm-hmm. It's it's not going to be the difference between me getting a contract or not getting a contract for next year. You know what I mean? Like it, I, for nationals to change something in my cycling life, it would have to be some kind of crazy performance where I like somehow make it into the top five, which is let's be realistic not likely so it's just it's not that difficult for me to be like if i've had a really good season one another good race isn't gonna really like put me over the top yeah. somehow and cyclocross or, yeah like, like having a you, bad race you kind of hinted at this but cyclocross isn't really a discipline where like accidents can happen like that it's it's it, it's a race that tends to really get won by the strongest rider yeah, I mean, for sure, so, I mean, like, people, people can like... have breakout performances, mm-hmm. but you have to be in the ballpark of the performance you're trying to break out to. Yeah. So. No, I mean, if, no, if no amount gonna of be... tactics is going to have you soloing away from Steven and Jeremy. No, you know, but at the same time, <laughs> no it offense. was cool to watch that front group of six and be like, those are all guys that I know I ha- I'm on a first name basis with. And like, I've raced all of them pretty consistently this season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it was, I feel like sometimes nationals, you know, like you see guys at the front of the race who you haven't seen in a while because they're more like West coast guys, mm-hmm. but all six of those dudes, you know, it's like, uh, five of them are all East coast guys. And Tobin spent a lot of time, you know, in September, October here. In in fact, me and him actually shared host housing at Charm City. (laughs) You know, so it's like... Oh, nice. It's kind of cool because it's like the six guys that are racing at the front are all people that race here in our racing community on a consistent basis. So that that gets at, like, another question I have for you, like, when you're watching it. And And I know that this is definitely uh complicated by the amount of coverage available but do you do you watch a race like that and think like yeah that's kind of where i'd be slotting in two laps into the race um sometimes but not really Mm -hmm. i I try not to think about stuff like that because it's just you know it's like it's hard to tell from the coverage who's having a good day and who's having a bad day you know Mm -hmm. it's like i feel like somebody like justin lindine had a bad day based on his result but I also just wouldn't want to presume that I would somehow be slotting ahead of him because he's somebody that is very, very good Yeah. on on the whole. And, and that's the thing about having January Nationals is it's like we race, you know, the last UCI race that I was at was like the first weekend of December. And then for most people, that was it, really, unless you went to like North Carolina or I think there was a race in like texas or something like that and then there's kind of nothing and then you know you just try to put together this like one hour of your best fitness for nationals and it just feels kind of like 
unrealistic and also feels kind of disjointed from the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, in um, it is coming back to uh, coming back to December in the coming year. So. Yeah. Should, I mean, I was a proponent of having national our U.S. nationals align with Canadian nationals. Just have it like mid-season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in October. Well, because then you don't artificially cap the end of the season. If people still want to put on races after this like December cutoff date, they can because there isn't like a, you know, right now it's like nationals is quote unquote the end of the season. So if you put it at the middle of December, then people feel like they can't have their races in like January or end of December. And I understand that those races are you know, not as attended, but if the argument for moving nationals into January was to have a longer season, then why not just remove the cutoff date? Mm -hmm. I thought the argument was to align more with the international, uh, national championships. Just, I, I don't know. I'm pretty skeptical that, um, it's because nationals happens that there are no more races. I think that the weather in, you know, so especially, where cyclocross is biggest in the United States is the Northeast and Mm -hmm. um, the Midwest. And the weather sucks in January uh, in those places. And I I really think it's it's as simple as that. And much much as people, I've had this rant before, people talk about Belgium being like, oh, the weather is so bad. It's like, whatever. It's way warmer (laughs) during January and February than it is here. So in, right. in Minnesota, in Minnesota, there would always be, uh, for, for years, the, the date for the state championships kept on getting bounced around. And every so often, you know, if it was earlier, people would say, well, you know, we really should push uh, state championships later into, you know, into December, because then it sort of lets people kind of ride, you know, into the state championships and it keeps them racing and a little bit closer to nationals. And this was still when, you know, when nationals was in mid-December and I guess you know maybe the case is still still there for when when nationals is in January. But what would tend to happen is that you know when the state championships were in early December, it would be like negative ten degrees and completely iced over, and like just re- absurd conditions to race a bicycle race. And people would say, "Why do we have state championships so late anyway?" And it would just go back and forth between <laughs> these these two uh, <laughs> these two situations. I mean, I think that's the thing with cross is like you really can't win with the weather. It's like at some point it's just too hot apparently, and then it gets too cold. You know, hear so me it's out. Like... <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. Springtime cross season starts in late February, runs until May. Boom. I mean, I don't. I'm I don't not. I'm not the mad idea, at but it. there's already there's there's already you know two other cycling disciplines happening well realistically mountain bike racing doesn't start until you know honestly there's races in may that are still getting canceled because the trails are like too wet to race yeah that's a good point that's that's a very good point i feel like single track is a lot more uh susceptible to damage and people are a lot more uh like attuned to that rather than wrecking a field somewhere you know well it's like if you go out to a field and you wreck it you can call in like a landscaping company um and if you do it in a certain time of year that should probably be in your budget it's certainly in the budget of like gp gloucester (laughs) sure it's like that 
whereas, yeah, for mountain biking, it's like, uh, what are you going to do? Like, you just destroyed a trail, and now, like, whatever, the local mountain biking association is like, great, thanks, we're going to have to see if we can get some volunteers to go out there. So, yeah, it's uh, a different thing. Um, anywho, uh, maybe we should run real quick. Through... <laughs> yeah, that was cool. That's what cool people say. We should. <laughs> we, we just should not... don't want to talk about nationals, do we? Oh, <laughs> uh, apparently not. Look, look. Let's let's just give some quick hits on the races that matter. Let's just. Oh, oh. I shouldn't have said it that way. <laughs> Backtrack. <laughs> abort. Abort. No. On the four kind of major races that happen on the weekend. So like men and women U twenty three, and then men and women elite. Sounds, so, sounds good. Sorry, right, women, women U twenty three. How about that? Any any thought? I so I didn't I didn't watch this one. Um. So I think the, yeah, the I, I think the, the big story for me from that is that the third place finisher in the race um is like an eighteen year old Katie Klaus. So she she won mm-hmm. the seventeen eight because it was it was seventeen eighteen and U twenty three. So seventeen eighteen. Oh, that's right. And I did catch the end of this race actually. That's right. That's so, right. So she was only she was under a minute behind Emma White, and I I think that that's just like I'm gonna I'm like mental note Katie Klaus in a few years like keep on listening for her name you know, um, because that is a really impressive ride by a very young person. Yeah, for sure, and, and of course uh, as you, as you noted, Emma White won the race. Uh, not very surprising since she's able to outright win UCIC two races in uh the northeast yeah um which isn't easy to do i think she's still the youngest ever winner of a ucic2 in the Mm -hmm. elite oh no kidding yeah well i mean i think uh um we'll see katie klaus on that trajectory at some point but yeah emma it was ellen and then emma took it from ellen right Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So I think two years ago, Ellen was the youngest ever winner of a UCIC two, and then Emma did it, and she's now the youngest ever winner. Um, Is Ellen the youngest ever winner of a UCIC one now? I don't know. She won her first C one this past uh, season, I think. Anyway, anyway. She might have. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, she won day one of Rochester, which is a C1. Anyway. Well, we'll get to Ellen in the elite race, obviously. So, so yeah, I mean, everyone expected Emma White to win. She won. Um, that doesn't make it not impressive. She can pedal a bike really, really hard. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Like, I mean, she was on the, you know, she was on the world's time trial podium for her category at Worlds when they were in <laughs> Richmond. Yeah, so as a like, junior, yeah. I mean, she's on the U.S. national team in, I think, two different, yeah, she's in two different categories. She's on the U.S. national team right now. I would assume, yeah, road and cyclocross. Yep. Yeah, so so, so pretty, pretty impressive. And uh, she ages up to elite next year, right? So... Uh, we'll see. Uh, let me just double check. She is her current racing age is twenty one. So, oh my hmm. god, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh jeez. And she's and she's ranked nineteenth in the world, FYI. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, yeah, yep. she's not that much. So I'm mean, just just because it's like they are always you know compared, right? She's not that much younger than Ellen Noble, 
but um, she's kind of like I think that where their birthdays fall is such that that you know she's got a kind of a racing age difference of two years instead of one year. I don't think she's two full years younger. No, I don't think so either. But um... but you know that's how it works. Uh, okay, U twenty three men. I did catch all of this race. This was this, this was a, this a very was a good fun race. race. It was, was a very good. good race to watch. I was. I will say that I was a little disappointed with Blevins winning. Um, <laughs> and and here's why. Like I maybe this is a little bit of like the Sauna account sour grapes thing, where like I don't like that someone who's not a full time cross racer won the race. Mm-hmm. But I also just like watching that race. Like as impressive as that kid was. He was making a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. and I it just kind of like I don't know there's just something about it where I'm like ah, I wish I wish that you didn't win you know because it's like I, I wasn't appreciate, he was he was basically he was Vanderpooling the race in the sense that like he was just spraying Watts everywhere bunny hopping yes. everything and every time he crashed he just seemed to like be able to come back from it you know whereas like i would i like when people ride a very like technically tactically sound race where they just like execute to perfection like i really appreciate that so it's like it's nothing to take away from him it's like my personal preference for the kind of race that i want to watch and that's like irrelevant you know he won the race he was the best guy there like props to him for sure I, I, like, I agree I, with that. I know what you mean, though. I hear Go you ahead. on that. I hear you on that because I can I can relate as a track racer. I want to see the big races won by like the trackies who sort of work their way up and are really like into the craft instead of like the roadies who are just like, oh yeah, I just like figured out how to pedal a fixed gear bike last week. I'm just gonna like come here and like put on a huge gear and you know, kind of you know you know not not display the same level of uh subtlety and technique that that you right. hope are is you, that you hope you is obvious for practitioners viviani right now <laughs> no viviani's a trackie who dabbles in the road ah yeah. okay i see i yeah. don't know these things because like i only really see him on the road but yeah yeah and he's, he's, he's got first. an olympic gold medal that's pretty tight no but but that's what i thought thought you might have mm. been re- implying is that like mm. he couldn't get a, a medal on the road so he went to the track he was uh yeah, it, he's, he's blevins really i would say yeah so so blevins i would say definitely uh is obviously a mountain biker based on how he raced that race uh, yeah. a mountain biker first and foremost where where he's just like i'm gonna go and i'm gonna spray watts everywhere uh and and that's what's gonna put me on top and there's nothing wrong with that um, you know, but it was very much, it was very much like, I've got the biggest engine and I, I'm not going to think too much about how I'm applying it. And I think that, I think that on a course with less elevation, um, he, he might not have won, you know, but yeah, you know, it is I mean, what it is. It's true. I, I was really surprised by the races that Gage, Hecht and Spencer Petrov had, um, it seemed yeah. like things just really didn't go their way. And... Well, Hecht flatted kind of early out of that lead group, right? Right. Yeah. Right. But Spencer missed the move, mm. uh, which was surprising, honestly. Like, he just didn't, he didn't latch on to that 
group of four as it was leaving the station and and it was just over after that he was in the second group and then he realized oh crap i need to bridge up to the front and he and he went to try and bridge and it was just too late you know and he couldn't power his way across so uh you know i i i, I would imagine he was he's probably a little disappointed with that i mean maybe it was just he didn't have the legs to make the move i don't know side note yeah. friend, friend some friends of mine uh one of whom speaks dutch Dan, this is Elizabeth and Willem, uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like to like to talk about the like the translations of like what the Sporza announcers say during Euro cross races, and apparently there was just like one thing, one race a couple years ago that stuck with them. Where uh, you remember how Sven Nice used to like, there would be like a lead group of like three, four, five, six, seven riders starting to congeal at the front. He'd like let it get like ten seconds, and then he would like blast across that gap in like one lap a third of the way through the race mm-hmm. and yep. apparently the sports announcers that said something translated to he's about to start the wonder and so i always think <laughs> of like that time when you're just like when you're just like slamming a gap shot and you're starting the wonder <laughs> well, unfortunately not a lot of uh you know spencer can't quite can't quite motor like Sven Nice across. He couldn't, uh, he couldn't quite start the wonder. A ten second gap. All right, so so, so yeah. that that was what happened. I mean, those guys are good and and um, you know, I mean, whatever. That's why you do the race, right? Because I would be interested to see what their lap times were compared to the elite men, just out of curiosity. I haven't seen that anywhere, but um, I would be curious. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because Spencer's up there. In terms yeah, of speed, so and it's gauge exactly. Like those, Spencer particularly excels on courses that are fast and right. lots of pedaling. Um, so I would have been curious, but yeah. I might might look that up at some point. Slight time. slight story, actually, just briefly about uh, uh, Spencer. This past the end of August, there's a unsanctioned cross race that happens in Springfield, Massachusetts, which is a few miles down the road from like. Uh, Northampton and and you know East Hampton, West Hampton, where a lot of those guys are, uh, and I there was this like tall, really skinny kid in Rafa Focus kit, and I was like, who the heck is this kid? It is just in like this complete Rafa Focus kit, <laughs> and then people were talking to him, and I was like, oh, <laughs> Spencer showed up to this race because I didn't know what he looked like at the time, but I was like, who is this weirdo? You know this, and he's a skinny kid and very tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is this? He's a very this? slender person. Yeah, who is? And that's coming from Dan, who is not exactly a, a, a huge, enormous guy. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> that was that was interesting. It was like, oh great, this this little tiny race is going to be pretty fast. And then I ended up riding around behind Ellen for a while. All right, anyway. Um, <laughs> No, it's true. She was. I was on. I was on two wheelers, and she was on clinchers, and she's going through these loamy, loamy turns, and I was just like, "Stop hurting me!" Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was also where she was testing out the bunny hopping the barriers, and and just and just killing me uh, on the slight uphill after the final barrier. I was just like, "Are you kidding me? Stop!" Um, all right. That's what you get, Greg. Yeah, that's what I get. Oh man. So speaking uh, of. While you were telling that story, I looked up the lap times. It looks like Hyde and Powers were lapping around seven 
thirty to seven twenty was what their range was, and Blevins they were in the seven thirties. Um, I'm not sure. Let me just quickly pull it up. They were lapping. Yeah, they were lapping in the mid seven thirties. So there's still about a ten. I would say about five to ten seconds difference in lap time speed from Blevins to Hyde and Powers. But it's not that that's you know that's a potentially a gap that can be bridged specifically if you're having a a group race where you're sitting in in a bunch rather than you're the person that's pushing the pace. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was hard to get a great sense of like there was some group racing obviously. It was hard to get a sense of how good the draft was cuz cuz um there's a lot of that course that was sort of a slight uphill, but then it went downhill and and um then there was the giant climb. I don't know. Uh anyway, Right. So speaking speaking of, of Ellen, uh, elite women's race. Um, I mean, of course, uh, KFC won it, but she was fourteen not in alone a row. In that, yeah, fourteen in a yeah. row. Fourteen. It's crazy. And what's crazy to me about fourteen in a row is that in none of those races did she like have a flat when she was you know just past the pit, or you know, a little crash and break a shifter cause her to have to run for ten minutes, like. 14 or, wins at this race. Yeah. <laughs> Without the kind of bad luck that, that sinks one of them. Yeah, That's for crazy. instance, Cassie Maximenko broke a shoe on the start line. <laughs> oh, man. What? Still finished 18th. Not bad. Wow. Yeah, Not she had a, apparently pit shoes are definitely a thing you do now. Huh? I, huh. <laughs> <laughs> It's just uh, a lot my, harder to do my, the flying dismount and remount for a pitch shoe. Yeah. My so does the uh, Richard Sachs team have a big pile of uh, spare shoes in the pit? Is that? I mean, uh, I have a, I have some. I usually bring two pairs of shoes to the race, but honestly, ever since I switched to laces, I haven't broken any buckles. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Instead, the laces. I actually broke a set of laces at right before a race started this year. Um, I've done I've you, done you... that for sure. Like I've just worn out a, a set of laces, and when I was like going to tighten laces before a race, I've like worn one. But I always just have spares, so it's and it's an, not... it's long enough before the it's not like on the start line where you're like, whoop, better better tighten up my laces, you know, better right, tighten up exactly. my, my buckle. And or you have to have to do the Tanya Harding thing of like showing the broken lace to the officials and get to restart sure. your routine. <laughs> That's a reference I don't really get, but I know what you're talking about. There's that a movie. A, that, was, that, was, that was a thing. That was a thing. All right. Elite women. I KFC thought wins. this race was the perfect argument for why the women should just race an hour and we need to stop this stupid argument. Because if they had done another lap, that race would have been freaking fireworks. Yeah. Yeah, you mean, so you think, you're saying that Ellen was pulling um, Katie Compton back. Well, Katie had a bobble on that off-camber, and yeah, Ellen was definitely coming back. I mean, she was she was close enough on the finish line that she got some of Katie's confetti. Yes, <laughs> she was not far behind at all. Not Normally, at all. I mean, the official yeah. time gap is seven seconds, but it was, on the video, it's like very small, and 
I do, you know, I do think that like when you crash, it like breaks your concentration a little bit. And I think we would have had a competitive last lap. I don't know if the outcome would have been any different. Sure. But it would have been interesting to see all the same. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Whether it's an hour or whether it, you know, we go with the, the proposal of, you know, everyone does 50 minutes, whatever. Uh, but, but another lap. You know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the. I mean, the fifty minutes everyone thing is like it's fine. I'm not crazy about it. If that's what, if that's what it takes for everybody to race the same distance, I'm all for it. But if you know, if you're asking me personally, I think everybody should race an hour because I think the women are competitive enough to. You know, I think the big argument was always that like, well, if you have women race an hour, it's just going to be a blowout, and it's like. I don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, and I think sure. the racing that the women have shown this year is all the reasoning you need to say that's not the case. They're going to race to the line and it's going to be competitive and it's going to be, you know, you're going to add the element of when people are tired, they make mistakes. And that's also part of racing. And that's a challenge that I think every athlete should have, not just the men who are racing an hour or an hour and 10 minutes. I think everybody racing cyclocross should just, you know, if you're an elite cyclocross racer, you should do the elite distance or time, whatever. Yeah, I think that's fair. So uh, that was that race. Okay. So in third place, of course, was, was uh, Katie Keogh. And you, um, and you had talked about the, in, in the U23 uh, men's race, like Spencer, you know, missing the move. I, I kind of felt the same way about, Katie Keogh never never really latching on to the the Compton Nobel surge that happened immediately you know she seemed to be sort of racing on the back foot it seemed like she just had an off day yeah like I I think Ellen had I think Ellen was on a really 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 good day and I think Katie Keogh was on a not so good day that does seem to be what it takes to separate the two of them by a minute and a half right like they're yeah they're pretty well matched racers they're very right. different racers though yeah i i mean i but I, like i feel like that's like it'd be one thing right so so uh the race starts and ellen goes with uh katie right away and, and then even passes her on the um climb and it was like whoa ellen's <laughs> ellen's getting excited um and you know it wasn't too surprising on the following lap when um kfc rides away from her and, and that's kind of when you figure um oh you know ellen just got uh you know because she can start so fast and and like oh she she you know burnt uh you know, a match that she maybe shouldn't have, and now Katie Keogh is going to come back and pass her. And it's like you might expect that to happen. Um, and, and the fact that it didn't happen, I, I think, is is just that, uh, you know, she was just on a higher level that day for whatever reason than, than Katie Keogh was. So, because she I was mean, able I, to recover from that. Right. I also just think that Ellen has, you know, she's just been working on her pacing, I think. I mean, I think her starts and her technical ability have always been a strong point. And I think, you know, I think this season she's just grown a lot as a racer. And I think she really nailed the pacing in this race. You know, she kept the gap really steady. Like it wasn't, uh, she kept it close, you know, like it wasn't out of reach. And I think 
she knew in the back of her mind that like yeah katie could make a mistake and that's kind of exactly what happened on the last lap katie made a mistake and uh it started to come back you know i just wish we were racing an hour and we could have seen <laughs> how that played out but um you know that i don't want to take anything away from katie compton i mean like you know, like Maddie was dead. Oh, yeah. 14, 14 in a row is insane. And it's not, you know, it, it's, it's a, the more you think about it, the bigger an accomplishment it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so every year, I think, I think this is the year that someone's going to unseat Katie Compton and her reign of terror. Um, partially and partially is because this is, this is just like your, your, your basic tactic in like making a prediction it's a lot more impressive to call a long shot uh, because if you're right, then it's amazing. Um, if you're wrong, then it's just like, meh, well, whatever. It didn't work out. Or, and if you, you know, if you, if you predict the sort of safe prediction, if you're right, it's not that interesting, you know? Uh, I predict sure. Katie Compton will win. Yeah, duh, right? <laughs> um, but it just never works out. It never works out. And I wonder... I, I'll make the same prediction next year because I anticipate that both Noble and Keo will continue to improve. Um, but who knows? Who really knows? Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> men's men's elite. So Oof. that was that was pretty good race. Did anybody else it need was a, a doozy right after for that sure. race? Um, <laughs> it wasn't that good, Matteo. <laughs> <laughs> that last lap that last lap was pretty pretty exciting i mean yeah i did kind of wanted to come down to more of a sprint but it was impressive for sure i'm glad i'm glad that we got the race that we got put it this way like it was definitely the, yeah it was definitely the race that everybody needed to see yeah, for sure. So, so I, I do get the impression that it's pretty hard for things to come to a sprint on that course. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. Just, just in terms of, you know, especially what they were saying after the race about how, like, well, you know, we knew it was going to be that last climb and, and uh, you know, kind of whoever led into the thing or whatever. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, you know. but but I, I mean, don't I don't were... know. Some he who shall not be named ex-professional masters guy managed to win a sprint so <laughs> obviously anything is possible That's but 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 how point. how myerson said that went down was that for the second half of the race he was totally he he felt extremely beaten and just through technical ability sort of managed to sort of bully his way to the front uh for that last climb and descent so he really like clung on to that holding the front and and just held yeah, it through he did that last it stretch of the that last stretch of the race where it's very it seemed very difficult to pass but now i feel like i have to mention every everybody else that won a master's category so like you know <laughs> shout out stacy barbosa great race <laughs> i didn't see most of uh or any it of those races do to be doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't yeah well, honestly, if, na if nationals was four categories, it'd be fine. Or, yeah, it should be like um, six categories, but whatever. What are you saying about the single speed fields? It's an equipment choice, not a category. There's, there's some, um, <laughs> whatever. There's some. The USA Cycling needs to make some 
you know some money on this thing so i'm, I'm okay yeah it's it. it's fine i'm not gonna begrudge them too um but all right so uh i just want to say about that race that i was really really glad to see powers um really at the front of a race and and not just at the front of a race but uh very strong and, and clearly kind of in control he was punishing um, people i mean he was whittling he was, that group down single-handedly yeah, and I said, I you know, and I was on Twitter being like, "What the hell is he doing?" Right? Because because I've been paying attention the last couple of years, and you know, he's struggled to put in a performance like that on a consistent basis. So I was like, "Man, you know, which powers are showing up today?" And it turned out that it was like uh, the the powers that we know and love, who goes to the front and just wrecks you for what was he? He was on the front for what three laps, four laps. A lot. Just he, driving. He was it. on the front for a long time, and I yeah. did. I got the impression from watching him that he was just riding his tempo, and yeah. no one seemed to want to come around him. Yeah. And and for him that was perfectly acceptable because he knew he could sustain it. I you know, and I think I think he played it really smart in the sense that he was like, all right, I'm gonna go to altitude for a month. Uh, I'm going to train specifically for this race. You know, I know that I was complaining earlier about how disjointed Nationals feels from my racing in December, but he's been doing this a very, very, very long time, and I get the sense that the longer you do this racing thing, the more you're capable of just like, okay, I know exactly what I need to do to get to the level I need to be at to be competitive at x event you know Mm -hmm, what i mean like he's not a guy that needs to go do racing to be fit enough to race at the front of nationals he knows yeah yeah well it's the benefit for you know if you're in in powers position honestly of having it in january uh is and i think that that he was mostly a non-combatant in that argument i don't think he really um Jeremy doesn't seem to get involved in that kind of stuff too much, but but you know where for him it's actually probably useful to have those what four weeks without any UCI races going on because because then you can just train in New Mexico, you know, like right. he did, and and not because I mean when you've got UCI races every weekend that you're you're going to to meet your sponsor obligations, like good good luck training through that. It's hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard doing that. It's hard doing that when you're a cat four, you know. Um, it's probably it's, harder it's... to do that when you're a cat four. Well, sure, but I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I, but I mean, training yeah, who when gave you're a, also who gave a cat four a UCI license. <laughs> no, sorry, but I meant I meant training when you have you know races on the weekend and you're racing you know twice a weekend every, which is a thing that happens in places that have lots of cyclocross racing for for our our uh, listeners who might not. Uh, live in some of those areas but you know here in new england you're like oh yeah i want to go and and race i'm going to do this race and i really like this race and oh this race is really great and before you know it you have you know eight straight weeks where you're doing at least one race a weekend maybe two and it's like you can't it's very very hard to maintain fitness you can you can you can manage your fatigue but yeah it's really hard it's hard to 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 add the kind of like calculated fatigue in order to get better yeah in those yeah so yeah. If, you, if you find yourself in trouble during the season you know even as like a local scrub or whatever 
then it's very difficult to to fix. So, anyway, <laughs> ask me how I know, uh, <laughs> or don't. It's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that second <laughs> option. <laughs> We'd like to turn things over to resident local scrub Greg Colby for his thoughts on oh the matter. My God. I don't even count as a scrub because I'm not good enough in the local races. Um, that's the problem. I was very very slow. But okay, so we're an hour. We so it's we a new it's world. a new year, Greg. I got year, faith in you. you. Yeah, I I feel good about it. I feel good about it. Maybe we'll talk about that between ourselves you've been time. running am i are we correct in that you've that been is running? actually yes i have been running who has been chasing you why have you been running <laughs> yeah i'm surprised you're running over just doing like 40 minutes of core i don't know why you're wasting your time running oh i'm adding i'm adding core well running is almost like i kind of know how to do it in a way that core like i know how to do it but i also kind of don't so I feel like running is like some free core work in addition to like shoring up my various bones and joints to be a little bit tougher. Like, is it safe to say you're running away from your feelings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of problems. But... <laughs> no, it's 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 I'm not going to say it's been great because uh, running is seriously like the worst activity in the world. Um, <laughs> at least when you're well, doing now you're it. just now you're just exaggerating <laughs> okay that's true yeah but but i do need to i do actually need to work on i'm not doing a lot of it i'm doing it like twice a week and not for very much time and what's been terrible is i've been because the weather here has been terrible um i've been doing it mostly on the treadmill that we have in our basement and let me tell you if you think trainers are bad treadmills are so much worse it's it's just it doesn't even compare. It's so bad. I assume that treadmills. Your, I'll were take bad. your word for it, Greg. Yeah. It's yeah. Don't. You would hate it. You would hate it. But no, I know. I, I should. I, I I need to be adding in the core stuff again too because that's. But that's the plan. That's the plan. I'm not going to tell you guys my whole training plan. <laughs> you'll, you'll know how to beat me. <laughs> I heard spraying watts works. Yeah, I wouldn't want to show up at a race and and uh, have Dan know all of my weaknesses so that he could thereby beat me in that bike I, race. If we're at the same race, we're racing either road bikes or most likely, which, trust me, I'm not the one you got to worry about in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were both we were both at uh, MBX in the same field. Uh, well, either way, again, I'm not the one you have to worry about in that situation. No, either. no, you're you're very far away from me very quickly in that situation. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a bunch of other people that are more far away from me even. So I'm just saying it's... I know. We're, we're all in our personal little... We're all in our... Exactly. No, MBX was great because my random call-up put me on the third row and it was like, <laughs> I manifestly do not belong here. I, I lost an amazing pretend, number of spots just, in one lap. It was you great. Got, when you're in that situation, Greg, you just got to play it cool. <laughs> oh, I was very Like, cool. the last thing you want to be doing is talking about on the start line how you do not belong there. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. Trust me. <laughs> oh, all right. I won't do that next time. Just be like, oh, yeah, cool. Third row. I'm here all the time. NBD. <laughs> We're going to clip in, and we're going to start pedaling. It's going to be great. <laughs> That's a good point. No I problemo. Fake it, fake it till you make it. Uh, we, exactly. we, had, 
We had planned to talk about the upcoming World Championships of Cyclocross. I don't know that we really should spend too much time on that because we've been yammering for like an hour and ten minutes by now. We definitely don't need to talk about the national team because I don't understand the national team. And no. I feel like it's, it's got more implications for disciplines I'm not really very this is cognizant not, of. This is not Crosshairs Radio and that's not the kind of thing that we do. But we could maybe mention briefly the U.S. Uh, team for Worlds, oh, if you guys God. want. Oh, so I, I know that you guys are cyclocross enthusiasts, but the national team does have some significant implications and excitement over in the track cycling world. Uh-oh. I, I know. That's what I was talking about when I said I'm not cognizant <laughs> of that stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's basically... Okay. Basically, like, the, the, the short story here is that, like, you remember for the Rio Olympics, the United States sent a team pursuit team uh, that won the silver medal for the, the women's team pursuit, right? And so perhaps you remember this. Um, the, here's the short story is that, you know, the, the U.S., like, put resources into that program, felt developed a crazy superbike for them that has the cranks on the wrong side of the bike. Um and uh, and it was a it was a pretty uh, exciting program that both identified and developed new talent. And with the new U.S. national team, they're they're formalizing uh, the same work that they've been doing since Rio applied to other disciplines too. So um, not just women's team pursuit team, but a men's team pursuit team, both men and women racing mass start races us has had really solid results at world cups all season long including some reasonably exciting wins it didn't i mean i know holloway won a world cup recently yeah that was pretty cool yeah yeah and the team pursuit team has won a couple golds the men's team pursuit team uh got a bronze in chile Right. Really, well, really great. solid stuff, and nice to see. Nice to see the the national federation really develop. Like again, identifying talent, developing it, and fielding a team at these at these high level events. All right, that is yeah, great. Yeah. Let's let's stay on target. Maybe here's what uh, here's what you're gonna do. Next episode, there's gonna be a you're gonna have a three minute window. I want you to prepare a presentation and explain it to us. I mean, I just, I thought I just did. <laughs> well, it all, it's just, it, I didn't no, have my PowerPoint the, this time. Thing. Here's the thing. You said, you said things that all sound good, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not, I don't really know like, okay, well, how does one get on the national team? Blah, blah, blah. Where does the money come from? Where does it go? Who gets it? You know, it's like, you know, let's, let's, let's iron out those details. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it all sounds good. I'm all for, you know, the track program winning medals at the next Olympics, but or even the world championships or whatever. But I'm also still like, I feel fairly far removed from that. And, you know, like, I'd be curious to hear what you're hearing, like what the implications are for athletes on the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if that's a if that's a question you can somehow answer for me. Yeah, I, I, I can answer that. I think the implications are that uh, for for talented national level bike racers over the past year or more, a little bit more, they've 
sort of been able to take advantage of USAC resources, which means like training camps in Colorado, or it means getting sent to World Cups and other big races, um, and getting to wear you know Team USA kit, uh, and 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 going to races where, quite frankly, the U.S. has had very little, if any, presence over the past bunch of years. All right. That's fascinating. Capiche? Um, <laughs> Dan, you're, you're killing us. You introduced the national team, and now we're... All right. You, I did uh, not introduce the national team. I'm not taking credit for that. All right, sorry. You mentioned it. You guys are the worst. Of course we want to talk about yeah, this. All, all I said was, let's not talk about the national team. And then well, freaking Matteo goes off. About it. And now you're somehow <laughs> blaming me. All right, whatever. It's like across worlds. You said something about that national team. What did you have yeah. to say about that? <laughs> this, is um, a, this is, oh man. Well, have you guys seen it? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, actually. All right. Well, the first, obviously, the glaring thing that we should mention is the lack of a junior women's team for cyclocross worlds because the UCI still hasn't gotten it back together and introduced a junior women's field yeah. for the world championships, but whatever uci <laughs> yeah that's that's uh, that's that's a that's a thing yeah i mean honestly i was i was just maybe gonna say like do you guys see anybody who is a surprise on the team and or someone who is a surprise who's missing from the teams that's that was what i wanted to say maybe i guess i'm a little bit surprised by um and maybe it's just because i'm not paying enough attention but uh because i didn't i didn't I haven't seen the full results of nationals or whatever but um with, you know did did cody kaiser and tristan cowie have like really good results at nationals that i missed uh tristan was seventh cody was 11th and i'm gonna guess that this was a if you look at the results from the men's elite race, you know, it's like Hyde, Powers, Warner, Orton, Blad, White, Kissaberth, Cowie. Then it, guys like Krugoff, Page, Liverman, Kaiser, Lindine, Driscoll, Wells. Hmm. A lot of those guys probably didn't petition to be on the team. And that's the thing yeah. that you always got to remember when you see somebody missing and then a surprising name that you might not think of is like those guys petitioned because they knew they had the resources in their like sponsorship budget. Right. And maybe somebody like Liverman or Krugoff was just never even planning on going to Worlds, even if they could. Yeah, and probably Paige wasn't planning on it and you know, because he's retiring. Right. Um you know, I I think Curtis White too is is uh I think he's just had a long season and has other things to do um so i i mean the thing that's interesting to me is the amount of uh women on the elite women's team who are automatically qualified to go uh three yeah katie compton katie keogh and ellen noble which is you know it's it's a it's a good sign uh, because those automatic qualifications are not easy. Usually there's something like a podium at a World Cup or, you know, being top 10 in the world. It's it's not, I mean, I, I, well, I think one of them is also national and or Pan, Pan American champion, but yeah. still to have three athletes meet automatic qualification requirements is, you know, I think 
if the program knew this is where it was going to be like five years ago, they'd be surprised. I mean, you know, you can certainly, it, it makes sense. It's a strong team. I mean, um, you know, Katie Compton, if she has a really good day, you know, you would say is a, a legitimate shot at a podium and maybe even a win. Um, you know, who knows? Um, you know, Katie Keogh certainly um, could pull out a top 10. Um, Ellen, I don't even know. I mean, like she could, she could have a top, she could be top 10, top five, or she could be, you know, right 30th. But so uh, what I'll, what I'll say is assuming it, it, it really depends on the condition, right? So it's like, we're racing in Valkenburg, which is a notoriously fast race in my opinion. Oh, it's but very hilly though. It is very hilly. I mean, it's, this is a race where I like, it, when I think of Valkenburg, I think of Lars Vanderhaar just like sprinting away uh-huh. from everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so if it's a fast race, I think Katie Kyo has a very, very good shot at a medal um, because, you know, she's got that speed. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if it's a, a heavy race, I think the heavier the race, the better Katie Compton is going to do. Yeah. I, and I think the heavier it is, at that point, her biggest challenge becomes someone like Sonicon, you know, whereas if it's a fast race then I think a lot more people kind of come into the picture, like, uh, you know, Pauline ferrand Prevost, Mariana Voss, you know, like people that are good at speed, but are not, don't have that like super extensive cyclocross uh, racing legs this year in the mud, you know, like Mariana Voss came back just like a little over a month ago or something like that. And, you know, Pauline ferrand Prevost hasn't been racing as much cyclocross as somebody like, Compton or Kant, who's been doing, you know, the full David Bay series. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I even a couple of years ago, I, you know, with Mud, I would have said that Voss was um, up there, but I think you're right. Right now, I mean, we'll, you know, who knows? I mean, she's just, you know, um, <coughs> I, I think that a lot of people have come forward uh, since she kind of went away for a while and came back, uh, who are very good. So. I think that's probably going to be a pretty good race. Worth, uh, worth, worth the reminder that, uh, yeah, like Voss had, like went away and came back, but much the same way that we were talking about um, how Powers really knows how to train for the national championships, I think Voss really does too. And it's entirely possible that the only reason she's not wearing rainbow stripes right now is because of a mechanical that she had last year. That's a very good point, Matteo. Yep. No, that is a good point. She she, she absolutely brought the pain to Sonicon last year. Yeah, it's true. If there's one race I'm really excited to watching live at the World Championships, it's the Elite Women's Race. I mean, yeah. I think the Elite Men's Race is going to be interesting, but at the same time, it's like, if it's anything like the rest of the season's been, it's like, great, we get to watch Matthew Vanderpool ride around for an hour. Yeah. Yeah, unless and unless it, like something happens to make him lose his cool. Right, and I, I'm not I'm not hating on him. You know, he's doing what he needs to do as an athlete. Like it's impressive all the same. But as somebody that wants to watch the race for the sake of entertainment, it's not that fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's true, and and he's been even on another level compared to the other the other guys 
compared to previous seasons where you know people where he's been the favorite and then not won but i think that he's a bigger favorite this year so absolutely he hasn't, he hasn't I am, lost I am, very many races no, no. but no. the races he has lost he has lost spectacularly yeah. <laughs> so that, that's that, the only that's way something. he knows how to lose i mean i it seems to be that that's the only way he knows how to do anything spectacularly <laughs> Yeah, no matter what it is. Uh, I'm really excited to watch him and Nino Scherter go go against each other at the World Cup, at the Mountain Bike World Cups this season. Yeah. Oh, those races are... I should watch some of those. Mountain Bike... World Cup mountain biking is terrifying. It's uh, insane what those guys can do. Don't watch too many of them in the hope that it would somehow give you any pointers for how to race your mountain bike locally, because... World yeah. Cup mountain bike courses are nothing like the cross country races that we do in the Northeast. Well, about that, actually. Just FYI. Oh, that's good to know. So, cause, that's good to know because I did actually just get a mountain bike, uh, and and maybe you have some helpful advice to give me on that front. But I do have a mountain bike. I do plan to race it. So, well, uh, yeah. Let let's let's uh, maybe put that on the on the agenda for next time. Yeah, that's a good idea. We've gone we've gone a long time, and uh, I have to it's make I've got to make a pizza. It's because so. we're really honest about bicycles. <laughs> we are honest about bicycles. There's always more to talk about. There's always more to talk about. So I guess uh, you know we're not going to make predictions for worlds because then we'd be on the spot, and they're not cool anyway. Uh, whatever. But um, uh, you know. Vanderpool, Kant, right. uh, 23 I don't know. E23 women, I also don't know. Junior men, no idea. Somebody from the UK, I'm sure. <laughs> Perhaps Thomas Pidcock. Is he still a junior? Is he a junior or U23? If it doesn't matter which one he is, he's the hot. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's basically a favorite for either one. Yeah. <laughs> so. So yeah. there you go. Those are my predictions. <laughs> so long tight. and good night. Yeah, sure. <laughs> February February third and fourth, so a couple weeks from now. Alrighty. I, I, I am actually kind of bummed that they're on two different days. I am not a fan of that. Yeah, I remember Louisville when everything got squished into one day, and it was actually pretty great. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. I don't know why they have to separate the elite women's and men's race. They should just have the twenty U twenty three races on one day, and then the elite races on the second day. Well, they could do the U23 races and the junior races on one day and the elite races on the other. Yeah. Like, why not? It doesn't matter. Or they could just do all five races on one day. It's only five races. Well, but, I mean, let's presume they add a sixth race, right? You know, you can still Still, fit They could still do, you can still do six races in one day. Like, I don't, I don't think the junior, the junior men and women are really like, oh, we need big crowds of drunk people there. us you know what i mean like at that yeah no i think this is just it's like a very euro approach to event planning it's like eh, i don't know we've got five races boy might be a little tight if we fit them in on one day yeah i don't i don't i don't get it (laughs) doesn't make much sense to me i mean as soon as those discos open they're full of drunk people anyway so it's like 11 (laughs) a.m doesn't matter Sure. Hey, you know, like Matthew Vanderpool raced the junior race or whatever at Louisville at like seven in the morning, and he was fine. 
He was fine. It's true. He's still alive to this day and even racing bikes, surprisingly. Yeah. I mean, you Doing would think that experience right. would force him to quit. I know. It's so terrible. Oh, it's so cold at 7 in the morning. Oh, it's awful. It's like, welcome to being an American Cat 5, <laughs> Matthew Vanderpool. <laughs> Just getting screwed. Uh, all right. that's That's been the honest bicycle program i think because it's been quite long it's been honest it's been very <laughs> yeah. honest it's been nothing if not honest so uh hey thanks thanks dan for coming maybe we should have you back uh at the next one so you can tell me about mountain biking and, and how uh, to win grant's tomb i really need to learn how to win grant's tomb all right we can talk about grant's tomb and mountain biking those are two very different things just so you know <laughs> whatever we got time <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for having me. Really enjoyed being extremely honest on this program about bicycles. <laughs> we like to we like to give you an excuse to be really honest. Yeah, yeah. You really need to, an opportunity to let your hair down and tell people tell the people what you really think. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We love you so very much. Thanks for listening to the Honest Bicycle Program on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Uh, I'm sure I'll drop in something to, to tell you all about that. And we'll catch you the next time we do this, whenever that might be. Peace. Good job. Good job, guys. End of program. Boom.